Okay, good morning everybody and we're into part three now of uh, what is the gospel. It sounds such an elementary type title, that, doesn't it? What is the gospel? You think everybody would know that by now, wouldn't you? And we saw in the first part of this series something really important and we started off on purpose understanding who the gospel is addressed to because the, the logic behind that was if we figure out who it's addressed to, it's going to give us a fantastic indication of what it actually is, yeah? And we started to see already in this series some great truths concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I say, we started out in session one, we saw who the gospel is written to, didn't we? It's written to those God has called. Yeah? It's written to God's redeemed. It's not written to the outsiders. It's not written to those outside of God's redeemed. It's written to those of us who are inside. Those who are so often outside who are referred to as being dead in trespasses and sins, without God and without hope. And you may want to listen to session one of the series running the race to understand who the dead actually are. They're not who we often depict them as. Then in session two, we learned what the gospel, according to Jesus Christ, is actually talking about. His coming earthly kingdom. It's not going to heaven, is it? It's his coming earthly kingdom here right on earth when he returns. At that point when he returns, those who are asleep, who are redeemed, as we know in Daniel 12 too, are raised to two outcomes, some to everlasting life and some to age-lasting contempt. And then he comes and the judgment seat happens, and then those who are deemed to rule and reign with him, rule and reign with him in his earthly kingdom. So we first established, didn't we, that the, the gospel is addressed to the redeemed. That is so fundamental for us to understand. We're going to see that as we go through this today, how important it is to understand that. Now you heard the words, But I can guarantee you the implications of that you haven't heard. You haven't figured it out. So many of us haven't figured it out in our heads. The implications of the gospel being addressed to the redeemed. And we were going to see how hard that is. The paradigm shift that you and I have to make in order to actually believe that. Like I say, you you hear the words, but the implications are absolutely massive in all of our lives. If that is true, and it is true, according to the gospel. Now, we've dealt with what the scriptures refer to when it's talking about winning some, haven't we? When when Apostle Paul was talking about winning some, he wasn't talking about those outside. Outside of the church. I'm going to win some of them. He wasn't. We saw that in the scriptures. I can't remember session one or session two, but in the previous session anyway, in this series, we saw that winning some, he was looking directly at the redeemed. Yeah? He was looking directly at the redeemed. He was not looking at the pagans when he talked about winning some. Look at Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. Therefore I endure everything. Now Apostle Paul talking here. Yeah? I endure everything for the sake of who? Not the pagans. <laughs> yeah? Not those outside who hate God and don't know Jesus Christ. He's enduring everything for the sake of the elect. He's got a firm focus on the redeemed. That they... Who? The elect also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, did you read that? You've got to read the words. He's saying there, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, yeah? That they may obtain what? Salvation. But they are elect. Do you see that? They're already elect. But there's something else that they have got to move into, and that is salvation. And we're going to see that as we get through this series. 
Understanding redemption and salvation is so fundamental to putting the scriptures together. And until you do, the scriptures will not fit for you. They just won't fit. So where do we think today we should have our focus? Do we actually think that Jesus got it wrong? Do we think the greatest apostle that ever walked the face of the earth got it wrong? What's he doing? Is he an idiot? He's focused on the elect and he's trying to get them to have salvation. Paul, if they're elect, they've already got salvation. That's what the Christian theological systems of this world teach. That when you put your hand up in a meeting and give your heart to Jesus, you've got salvation. Well, that's not true according to the scriptures. And remember, when we started out this series, it's the scriptures that have to define these terms for us. When I talk about redemption, I'm not talking about going to the theological systems of this world and getting them to define it. We've got to go back to what the scriptures say. Same way with that word salvation. Because I guarantee you, many people listening to this will immediately think, yeah, I know what that salvation is. That's giving your heart to Jesus. That's walking up in the front of the meeting, grabbing your Bible, saying, yes, I love Jesus, and walking back to your seat again. That is not what the scriptures define as salvation. And we better get back to it. And you better start dumping that error in your life. And realizing that we've got to come back to the scriptures because the implications of not coming back to the scriptures are absolutely massive for all of us. It really is. And we've got to come back to it. So the church, for the most part today, are focused clearly on the unredeemed, which isn't a scriptural term, but on the outsiders, aren't they? Whereas Jesus Christ, we're going to see it in a minute, was totally focused on those who are called by God. The Apostle Paul, and all of the Apostles for that matter, were focused on those elect that God had already called. And helping them to obtain the salvation. We just read it. Yeah, We're going to see how important that is. So, so far, we've clearly seen the Gospel is addressed to the redeemed. Yeah, Those called by God, and we've seen the definition of the Gospel is in reference to Jesus Christ's coming earthly kingdom right here on earth, not in the heaven. It's so important. Now when Paul was talking about winning some, we saw Paul was referring to the same redeemed. It was the same redeemed. So it's so important that we come to this understanding first of where the focus for us has to be. Because where we are going today is going to challenge all of our paradigms. Now I've already challenged some of your paradigms in the first few sentences, but you do not yet realize what a paradigm shift we all have to go through. I guarantee you. Because sometimes when I'm teaching up here and other people are teaching, you hear the words, and I'm the same when I'm listening to people teaching. I hear the words, but the implications of what I'm saying and hearing aren't fully, fully understood. Yeah? Because when this penny drops, guys, it will drop. <laughs> yeah? It will drop massively for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And we're going to see the, how the, Satan has so deceived the majority of the theological systems of this world into focusing on the wrong people. Yeah. So today we're going to take it to another stage. Yeah. We're going to take it to another stage. We're going to look into the scriptures at the term which is so often used in Christian circles. And when I say this term, just watch what your mind does. Same thing as my mind has done for 30 odd years. When I say to you, the lost... Did you get that picture in your mind? The lost. Yeah? 
Now, all of us have defined that in our minds right now as to what we've been taught the lost and who the lost are. Yeah? And we're going to see it today. Because what we're going to do is we're going to go back to what the scriptures say. Yeah? And whatever definition you came up with in your mind has got to get lined up with what we see today in the scriptures. Yeah? And that sounds really easy. Yeah, I'll, I'll drop what I already believed for 30 odd years of my life. Yeah, and, and go with what the scriptures say. It's not easy. Yeah, and you won't find it easy, neither do I, but we've got to do it because the implications of not doing it are absolutely huge, like I said earlier, right? So when I say these words, what do most of us picture in our minds? Well, if you're anything like me, up until fairly recently, I had the picture of those outside of the church, those sinners outside, those pagan people outside, who you and I have got to get out there and we've got to reach them, we've got to paint them into a corner, we've got to have all the verses... Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, God raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Do you think I memorized that one time? You bet I did. I spent 30 odd years throwing that at people. Yeah? And you realize that verse has got absolutely nothing to do with somebody coming to Jesus Christ. Well, it does, but it's talking to the redeemed to make, when Paul wrote that in Romans 10, 9 and 10, he was talking to Romans 1, 7, those who were called, those who were already redeemed, and he was trying to get them to listen to Jesus the Messiah yeah. and drop the mosaic law. That serious, uh, what do we do, entry and reigning the kingdom, the last three sessions of that deal with that specific uh, section of Romans. Yeah. So if you want to hear it, feel free. So we go out there, don't we, <laughs> and bombard people who are the, who have caught the lost, who are the pagans, who are the outsiders, yeah? And we throw verses at them and we wait for them to respond. Oh, he didn't respond. Oh, well, he's not called them. Because I've spent six months now sharing verses with that guy and that girl and they haven't done anything, yeah? And we're going to see it's got absolutely nothing to do with that. When you go back and when you and I go back to what the scriptures actually say that we're to be doing, it's going to be shocking for you. But what we end up doing is we allow, we're allowing God to do his job instead of us trying to do his job. So often that ends up being the case. Yeah. So we have to understand all the terms from the definitions provided in the scriptures. Not what we have necessarily been taught. Just because you've been taught something and I've been taught something, do you realize it doesn't make it true? Yeah. And I've realized that painfully over the last three years. Yeah. That a lot of what I had been taught by the theological systems of this world was not true according to the scriptures. But you're going to see today why that, I was blind to that. And you're going to see why so many are blind to it in the scriptures. Jesus Christ told us why. Yeah, and we're going to see some people in this section of the scripture we're going to today. But just watch when you start to proclaim these truths. And if, if you've already started to proclaim the kingdom of Jesus Christ to come onto earth, and that when you die you don't go to heaven, look out. But just watch it when you start proclaiming this truth. If you thought that was bad, just watch the effect this will have on those who are redeemed. I'm not talking about those outside the church who couldn't care less. Yeah? The ones who could care less, we're going to see in some records here today, are the religious people of this life. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Now, as we go through this session today, I never want us to forget that we're fighting Satan. <laughs> yeah. yeah? It's the deceit of Satan who is leading the redeemed away from Christ the Messiah. That's his only objective. Yeah? It may turn up in different ways, in different tactics, 
But his strategy is to lead people away from the Messiah. Because if he can lead us away from the Messiah, guess what he's leading us away from? The coming inheritance in the Messiah's kingdom. Yeah, That is so far up his list, you will not believe it. So he leads the redeemed away to a different, distorted gospel. Did you hear that? So there is a gospel there. But it's, it's distorted. Yeah, it's different. And we'll see that again so clearly today. He has the church focused on the wrong people. And he has them focused on the outsiders, whereas God wants us focused on the insiders. Again, it's not a scriptural term, but it's those who are redeemed. And then what we have to do, we saw it in Paul, he's focused on the elect, and then what he's doing, he's getting them to look at the coming earthly kingdom and what they need to ensure that they strive through the narrow gate. There's plenty of room on that path, by the way. Look around you, where you are, wherever you are listening to this right now in the world, including here. Look around you and look at the multitudes. They ain't there. Why? Because it's a narrow gate and you have to strive through it. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants it. Few want it. And we're focused on the few that do want it. 2 Corinthians 11, 3. But I'm afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from the sincere and pure devotion to Christ the Messiah. I should have just read that verse. (laughs) Yeah, we read it recently. And we saw it in Galatians, didn't we? It then becomes a distorted gospel. So there is a gospel there. There is news there, but it's distorted. And then we move to another gospel other than the one Jesus proclaimed. And we saw it last week, didn't we? When we do that, when we move from that one gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ... Paul, by revelation, referred to that as deserting Jesus Christ. You want to desert Jesus Christ? That's the way to do it. You move from the true gospel of the kingdom that he was proclaiming. That was his only message. It's not, we don't have multiple choice with Jesus. He only had one message, the gospel of the kingdom. So when we move from that, one step at a time, by the way, yeah, we are deserting Jesus Christ. Look, Galatians 1, 5. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting whom he called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Now we're just going through a little bit of review here because I want to build some foundation for where we're going to understand who the lost are today. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to what? Distort the gospel of Christ. So that's the objective of Satan and all of his spirits is to distort the gospel. Not to get people to stand up and say, no, no, Jesus Christ, evolution's where it's at, Jesus Christ, he's, oh no, no, no. He is a lot more subtle than that. Yeah, He is growing up inside the church. He is growing up alongside us. He's got degrees after his name. He's got letters after his name and he's got letters in front of his name. He's Dr. So-and-so. He's the right reverend so-and-so. But they're teaching a distorted gospel. Why? To lead people away from the coming kingdom. We're going to see that throughout this. So are we clear that we have to allow the scriptures to be the defining authority as to what not only the gospel is, but also all other terms that we think we understand? Because what we do is we come to the Bible and look for it to substantiate what we already believe. Nine times out of ten. And if it doesn't substantiate what we believe... We pick out verses that do substantiate what we believe. Nine times out of ten, it's pulling these verses out of context. So that we can stay in our comfortable bubble 
Yeah? As to what we already believe. The theological system that I've built up around my life and feel comfortable with it. Well, we're into discomfort. <laughs> yeah? Mm-hmm. You're going to see Jesus Christ confronting some people today. And he brought to them a whole lot of discomfort. He shattered their bubble. He shattered their bubble. He shattered their whole life that they had built around them. Yeah? With the truth. And that's what we're out to do. So today we're going to allow the scriptures to define the term lost. Because I say, now we've already defined that in our minds. Yeah? But just watch how different the definition you have in your mind right now is to the definition that Jesus Christ talks about. And it's as it's defined in scripture. Not by me, not by you, not by Dr. So-and-so or Reverend So-and-so. We're going to go to the scripture. Allow the scriptures to speak as to what the definition is. Yeah. Because guess what? When we do that, we end up with the right definition. Isn't that a cool thing to do? No sense of going through a whole pile of theological study. You end up with the wrong thing at the end. You've got to end up with the right thing. And the right thing is the scriptures and how it's defined by Jesus Christ. Yeah. So let's go to a parable. Now, what's a parable? I'm sure you've heard me saying this before. But a parable is a heavenly truth taught in an earthly context. So it's something heavenly. It's something that we maybe can't put our hands on. Yeah, or can't see physically. But what God does, he uses similes, he uses parables, he uses figures of speech to say, okay, here's the what can be sometimes an obscure heavenly truth, but here it is in an earthly context, so that you as Joe Blow, if Joe Blow's listening, yeah, as you Joe Blow can understand it in that earthly context. It's a fantastic key. Yeah. But we still don't understand it when he does that. Yeah, we still screw it up so often. Yeah. And we've got to come back and understand it better, right? Let's, I want to go somewhere first. Let's go to Matthew 15, 24. Because if we're to follow Jesus Christ's example, yeah, there may be just a clue in what he did. Yeah? We've got to look at what he did. Yeah? And got to understand what he did. And that may shed some light on what we should be doing. Yeah? And sometimes we don't do that. We get off on a trail doing what we think is right. And we don't go back to the scripture and see what he did. But look at Matthew 15, 24. He answered. Now, look at this. I was sent only. Did you get that? It's in capitals in your notes. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now lost here is the Greek transliterated word apolumai. Yeah? And it actually means to perish, to be lost or to get ruined. But what I want you to see in that verse is, he is going out to the redeemed. But it's not just the redeemed. It's a specific group within the redeemed. Do you see that? It's the lost ones. It's the ones who have gone astray. He's not going necessarily to the whole house of Israel. He's he's focused, isn't he? He's focused on those redeemed within that house of Israel who are wandering away from the influence of God. Yeah? There's a clue in there for us. Yeah? We're servants. Of Jesus Christ. You and I are supposed to be walking in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we're supposed to be looking at what he did. Now do you feel an element of discomfort when you read that? I would if I wasn't a lost sheep of the house of Israel. Yeah. Why? Because guess what? They according to Jesus Christ are the only ones he came for in that context. Yeah. And we'll clarify this as we go through this series because his message today is to all of the redeemed, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But when he came, he was sent, he was directly focused 
on those lost sheep of the house of Israel. And by the way, it hasn't changed. He is still looking for the lost sheep of the redeemed. It's opened up now outside of Israel, but he's still focused on the lost sheep of the redeemed. Yeah. So where's our focus to be? Why would you shift your focus from that to those outside of the church who couldn't care less about God? Because of the theological systems that have been driven for centuries now, yeah, that's teaching that that's who we've got to reach. And we'll get to it as we go through this. So let me ask you, is it for those who are unredeemed, and again, that's not a scriptural term, it's on those outside or on those inside that we're to be focused on? It's those who are focused on the inside. We're to be focused on those on the inside, not on the outside. We're going to see that as we go through this. And that's exactly where our focus needs to be. But just watch how difficult that is, and that will be to understand and do over the weeks to come. You and I will be constantly challenged by that truth. Why? Because there is so much error being taught today about the Christian church and what we and our mission is because of the theological systems of this world driving that. No, no. You're not looking for the redeemed. You're looking for the outsiders. And you're to make them redeemed and bring them in. You see? You're going to see how wrong that is. So when Jesus, in this specific parable of the sheep, in this context, and we're going to the lost sheep, yeah, the parable of the lost sheep, in this context, he's dealing with what? The lost, isn't he? He's dealing with the lost. Now, do you remember that verse we just read? <laughs> yeah, don't forget it. We know he's already defined who the lost sheep are. Yeah, They're those who are off the house of Israel. They're those who are redeemed, but they're wandering away. They're perishing. They're getting ruined. Because they're walking away from the influence of the shepherd. So when the theological world defines lost, and I can almost guarantee that every one of us had that definition in our minds when I first said these words. Because it's such an influence on all of our lives. Yeah? And when you've been doing it for 30 odd years, it still has a major influence on your life. They've defined that term to mean those who are not gods and who so often hate God and Jesus Christ. And we need to find them and we need to save them. You ever heard that? Mm-hmm. You bet you have. And therefore, they are now found for Jesus, and they've let Jesus into their heart. You know that's a term that's not in Scripture. <laughs> Neither of these terms are found in Scripture. Yeah? But the theological systems of this world propound it, and we pick it up and think, oh yeah, well, that's what I need to do. Well, is it what we need to do? It's only what we need to do when the Scripture says it's what we need to do. And the Scriptures don't teach it. Yeah? We're starting to see that. And we're going to see something very different <laughs> defined in Scripture of what we need to do. But watch the struggle you and I will have over the weeks and months to come to change the paradigm that we've been living in to do that. Yeah, but we have to do it. Now, just as an aside, I looked up the context of the first occurrence of the term lost sheep, just as a matter of interest. Right? But just watch the context. Yeah, and we understand how important context is. Ask yourself the question as we read this now. Is it referring to someone who hates God? Is it referring to someone who is redeemed, but then gets lost? Okay, There's, You might just pick up a clue as we read this. Yeah? Now remember, we've not defined how the scriptures are defining lost yet, have we? We haven't allowed the scriptures to define that. But you may be starting to get a little bit of a clue where we're going. Yeah, I hope so. Otherwise, you're asleep. Yeah? And you don't get to sleep in my sermons. You know that. <laughs> 
But listen up to the psalm of David. Right? Now, do you think David was redeemed? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely a fantastic man of God. A man after God's own heart. How many people can you find in the Bible that God says that about? Yeah? Look at Psalm 119, 175. Let my soul live and praise you. Wow. His whole life was about living and praising him. Does that sound like an outsider? Does <laughs> that like somebody outside of the church? Absolutely not. And let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a what? A lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Wow! What a context. Yeah? Somebody who was redeemed, somebody who loved and their life was about praising God, but he knew that he had what? Gone astray like a lost sheep. It's fantastic. Now there's a really important truth that I want to point out here. And this verse, I need to add to your notes actually because I put it in a little bit later. But listen up to this. Yeah? Listen up to this section of the scripture. John 17. Yeah? This is a verse now we'll be using again when we deal with people's mistaken view that God loves the world. Have you memorized John 3.16? Yeah, well, we're going to hit that at some point in this series. Yeah? But look at John 17, verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people you gave me out of the world. Now, do you see this thing about God's redemption? Jesus came into earth and he said, I have manifested your name to the people who you gave me out of the world. So it's not Jesus going about finding people, is it? Now, we know he did that. But he's talking specifically here about the people God has given him out of the world. Look at the next three words. Yours they were. They belong to him. Yours they were. They were already redeemed. Get that? Yours they were and you gave them to me. Wow. Our mission is not to go out there and find the unredeemed, the outsiders, yeah? It's not to find them. We are out to find those who God has already redeemed. Now, do they look like redeemed? <laughs> they sure don't. Now, you can, you can go to church and probably find a whole pile of them, but believe me, you can go downtown Vancouver and find a whole pile of them as well. Because Paul, in the book of Acts, didn't restrict himself to the synagogues. He went into the idol temples. Yeah. And guess what? He was looking for the redeemed. Right. You know why? Because you don't pick them. Yeah. You don't think, oh, okay, that guy, he's got the potential to be a Christian. He looks like a, you know, he's in the corner, he's quiet, he's not drinking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he, he's sober, he can talk. I can get a few verses into him. Forget it. Don't do God's job. But even Jesus Christ himself had to seek and save the lost. Yeah. We've got to find them. And you don't find them waiting for them to turn up to your website. We've got to get out there and we've got to seek and save and herald the message of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Because we're going to see a little bit later, it's the response you get to that yeah. that so often will tell you who is redeemed and who have eyes to see and ears to hear. So we're starting to build a picture here. Before we get into the lost, we haven't even into the lost parable yet. Will we get to it today? I don't know. I, I, I was some, we're starting to build a background 
that Jesus Christ of those who he was speaking to. Yeah, Because I'm trying to build a little bit of foundation for us before we go into this lost parable and superimpose all of our ideas onto this. Yeah, I'm trying to build a little bit before we get into it so that when you hear it, hold on, the lights are coming on. I figured that out now, what he was talking about. And I don't want us to forget these, uh, you know, these things we've gone through as we delve into the lost parable. Because this lost parable and others are going to spell out for us who the lost actually are. Yeah, that's so important. Because we read over these things sometimes and think, oh yeah, 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 yeah. What's next? Oh, I'm going out tonight. Yeah, well, I've read that parable and I feel better. We've got to understand it. Yeah, these are the words of life. So as we move into this parable, I don't want us to have a picture of sheep in our minds. <laughs> yeah? You know, this was a figure of speech. Yeah? Used by Jesus to depict people. So we're not here turning into sheep farmers all of a sudden. Yeah? Look at Ezekiel 34, 30 quickly. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them, and that they, the house of Israel, so it's referring to Israel, are my what? People, declares the Lord God. And you are my sheep. Next two words. Human sheep. Human sheep. <laughs> Human sheep. So that when we get into the lost parable, we're not talking about... A, yeah, We're not talking about lambs. Yeah, We're talking about human sheep. Of what? My pasture. Yeah, I am your God, declares the Lord God. So are we clear here we're talking about people? Yeah, I just want to make sure we clarify that for those of you who may never have tuned in before. Yeah. Now, one of the other things you have to be clear on is the ownership of the sheep, which is always assumed in these lost parables, as you read the other lost parables. Ownership is always very often assumed throughout these parables, yeah? Because that's a key for us to understand as we read this. When Jesus is finding a sheep, they're his sheep! Yeah. Okay? Remember we read it earlier? Those who you have what? Given me? That's the ones he's finding. It's not some new sheep. He's not nicking the sheep from another shepherd. Yeah? They're his. He owns them. 100% they're his. Because uh, remember we read the verse earlier. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Matthew 15. Remember that? So ownership is key. Yeah? Jesus is not going out and looking for lost sheep that he already does not have clear ownership of. Yeah? That's going to be so important for us to understand that. He's not going out to someone else's flock, grabbing someone else's lost sheep, and making out they're his. <laughs> yeah? And we're going to see that throughout the, this lost parable. In fact, it's a case, I think, of virtually all the lost parables, that ownership is implied, and in most cases specifically stated throughout. And in fact, Jesus covers this in John 10. Uh, so let's say a little detour over there first, because I want us to be so clear on this before we go and clarify who the lost sheep are. Now remember the title today. Who are the lost? We're trying to figure that out. And we're allowing the scriptures to define it for us. Look, look at John 10. Truly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door that climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now the first question all of us should be asking about is verse 1. Truly, truly I say to you. Who's the you? See the way we read the scripture, because I could have carried on with this, and you would have thought, oh, oh yeah. You've got to find out who he's talking to. And we read John 10, 1, yeah? But there is no chapter break in the text, so we've got to go back. John 9, 39, Jesus said, now listen to this, really interesting. 
who he's talking to. Who he's pointing that reference to. 39, Jesus said, for judgment I, I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who may see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things. Do you get his audience? Do you see the audience? What we read there about seeing may become blind, because the Pharisees, they were, as far as the people of the Israel were concerned, these guys were God's spokesmen. So some of the Pharisees near him heard these things, and he said to them, said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. <laughs> yeah? So the you refers to the Pharisees listening, among others, I'm sure, that were in the vicinity. right? So John 10, 3, To him the gatekeeper opens, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You know, the shepherds in that culture had names for every sheep, and they knew them by name. And when he, was, and when he has brought out, what? All his own. All his own sheep. He's not bringing out somebody else's sheep. He goes before them and the sheep follow him. Get it? For they, those sheep that are following, know his voice. A stranger, now listen up, a stranger they will not follow. Now here's a criteria by which you know a sheep that has been called. Get it? So they're going to be following the shepherd. The shepherd is Jesus Christ. They're going to be hearing his voice, which, by the way, is the voice of the kingdom, because that's all he spoke about. Yeah, They're going to follow him, but the criteria is also depicted here that they will not follow strangers. That is not those on the outside of the church, okay? Because we saw it earlier, how does Satan work? He distorts a gospel, doesn't he? So the strangers this is referring to are not those outside of the church, There are those strangers inside who are distorting the gospel, getting people to follow a distorted gospel that is not focused on the voice of the shepherd, that is not depicting the kingdom truth of Jesus Christ here on earth. It's depicting heaven. It's depicting you go to heaven when you die, for the most part. A stranger they will not follow. But look at this. But they will flee from him. So come here. If somebody hears the voice of the shepherd, but doesn't flee the voice of strangers, are they the sheep? According to Jesus Christ. Now, according to you, you may think you can church hop, and you can go and listen to voice of strangers. And remember, voice of strangers are those who are distorting the gospel. It's not you going to a nightclub on a Friday night and listening to a stranger. Yeah? That will have absolutely little or no impact on your life whatsoever, eternally. But you going and listening to the voice of a stranger who is teaching a distorted gospel of Jesus Christ will have eternal effects on your life and mine. That's why you cannot afford to do it. You may think you can, but according to Jesus Christ, you've already depicted that you are not someone following his voice. Look at the next part. For they do not know the voice of strangers. You have to shut yourself off from these people. And you thinking that you're enlarging your knowledge, your theological knowledge of the scriptures by listening to strangers, 
is total error. You may not want to hear it, but that's truth. Yeah, It's the truth. We've got to keep on the scriptures. We've got to so sown ourselves into the gospel message of Jesus Christ, which is a kingdom message. Yeah, It's not about you dying, you know, giving your heart to Jesus and being saved and uh, going up to the front of the hall and clappy, clappy. It's not about that, guys. This is serious stuff. And we'll see how serious it is as time moves on in this generation. And this figure of speech Jesus used with them, and they did not understand what he was saying to them. Who are they? The Pharisees. Why did they not understand that? I mean, that's plain as day, isn't it? But they were those who were seen, but they were blind. Do you understand? Why were they blind? Look at Matthew 11. Matthew 11, 26 says, Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Jesus Christ talking here. Now watch this. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. Now watch this. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. These Pharisees were not chosen for the Son to be revealed to them. Now he was standing in front of them, guys. They were looking into his eyes. They could smell his breath when he was talking to them because he was in their face most of the time. And they could not see him. This gospel or the kingdom was veiled to them. They were redeemed. They were redeemed. They gave their life to God. But you can read in Romans that the redeemed are the enemies of God in certain circumstances. The weeds growing up inside the church are very often redeemed. Those who crucified the Lord of glory were redeemed. So don't get blinded by redemption either. Yeah. Hey, are we in this parable yet? <laughs> Luke 15.1, we better get into it. Luke 15.1. Now the tax collectors and sinners. Oh, the baddies. Isn't that what we think? Oh, there's the lost for you. There's the lost. We're all drawing near to him. Isn't it funny they were attracted to him? I think that's amazing. You know? Those who were darkness in the, in the sight of the culture were attracted to Jesus Christ. What does that tell you? Now, now watch what these guys are doing. These are the religious, okay? Jesus is talking about God, talking about people coming to God. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumble. What are they grumbling about? He's reaching the, the tax collectors. He's reaching the sinners. Yeah? Oh, they're grumbling. Well, what's he doing? Yeah? When you, when you study the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll understand that he was, he was bursting their bubble, guys. Remember that bubble I talked about earlier? <laughs> yeah? He's pricking at it. He's breaking it down. Yeah? So, and the scribes and the Pharisees grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. They should be rejoicing, shouldn't they? Or maybe he's reaching them. So there's the audience. Yeah? And it's so important when we read the scriptures to understand sometimes who Jesus is addressing and who's in the vicinity when he's talking. Yeah? So he told them this parable. What man of you, next two words, having a, having a, <laughs> yeah, having a, hundred sheep. So guess what? He's got them. They're his. He's got a hundred. He hasn't nicked them. They're his. Yeah. He owns them. They're his. If he has lost one of them, 
does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until who finds it? He finds it. He finds it. Now, I don't want to labor every point because not every point in any given parable has significance. It's important to understand that. Because some people, you know, they try and, you know, take a, a parable and everything in it has got a spiritual significance. And what they end up doing is missing the main point. And there's always a main point in a parable. So I don't want to, you know, to pick that, you know, him finding it is, is you know, because some great spiritual significance. But I think it's interesting. It's a shepherd who realizes he has lost a sheep. Now, it's not, do you see, it's not the lost sheep figuring it out for himself. The sheep's not turning around saying, oh, hold on. Where's the rest of them? No, he's got the head down. He's munching on the grass. He hasn't got a clue he's lost. Now, this parable's really interesting again because the shepherd does the finding as well. Yeah, And in some of the parables you see in terms of the lost parables, you know, think about the prodigal son. The prodigal son's sitting in the, in the muck of the pigs saying, what the heck am I doing here? I'm dying to eat that food they've got. Have you ever seen the pig's food? I'm dying to eat that food they've got. And the servants back home in the mansion with my dad, they're, they're eating it up. I'm stupid. I've got to come to my senses. I've got to figure out. I've got to get back home. Right. <laughs> yeah? So he figured it out, see? So some of these parables are really interesting, some of the things that come out of them. But I digress. Yeah? Verse 5. And when he has found it, when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found someone else's sheep. <laughs> no, I found my sheep. That was lost. Now, I hope you're not thinking of sheep. This is people we're talking about. But there are people already in the fold, already in the flock, already redeemed. But they're perishing. They're moving away from the influence of the shepherd and they're perishing and getting ruined. Verse 7, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner. Now what do we got in our heads? Oh, oh yeah, I saw him on Friday night. Oh, that's that brother of mine. I'm going to get drunk every night. I'm going to throw some more verses at him. Guys, it's God that calls people. Yeah, not you. Don't make yourself God. It's a really hard place to be. I've been there. Trying to do it. That's why so many people in the type of position I'm in burn out. They think, what is all this about? I've done everything I can possibly do to reach these people and they're not getting reached. Let God do his job. And one thing you cannot get worried about. We're going to see that as we go through this. Other numbers. Yeah? I think Jesus was worried about the numbers. You know when he confronted some people and they walked away? Many disciples walked away. He turned around to the twelve and said, do you want to go as well? Oh, hold on. See the bundle of shares. See how the tidings are going. I'm a bit concerned that, you know, I've got 12. I'm filling the, at least 12 seats. No, he couldn't care less. And you and I shouldn't care less either. Yeah, and believe me, when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, you won't be counting the chairs. So it doesn't matter if you've got 25,000 coming to church. If you're teaching a distorted gospel, you will be held responsible for that. And you won't be counting the chairs either. You won't be looking at your pension plan. Yeah? The pension plan we've got lined up is far more exhaustive than anything that'll turn up with. Yeah. But what we do is, don't we, we? We superimpose the phrase "sinner" over all those lost sheep, those who are sinning outside of the call, and they need to be found and they need to give their heart to Jesus. This is not communicating that at all. Do you see that? There are those already inside, but they've they've been lost. Remember David? 
He'd been lost. He understood. He drifted away. And he needed to come back. So the shepherd is looking for those who are in his own flock. O-W-N-E-D. His own flock. Those who are his own. Yeah, He's trying to bring them back under his influence. So there's not a story of a shepherd going out and looking for those who are not his. He's looking for those who are his. Remember? Those who were given to him of the Father. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So do you get the picture there? You've got the redeemed. You've got those who are drifting away to a distorted gospel. You've got those who are getting ruined. Why are they getting ruined? Because they're listening to a distorted gospel. They're deserting the shepherd. We're not concerned about those who are walking in the will of the Father. Now, do we need to be concerned? Yeah, we do. We help each other. We encourage each other. But they're not the focus of who he was focused on. And neither should be it. It should be our focus as well. Matthew 18, 12. I'm just going to read this. But, but do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, but does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? You see? It's that one who goes astray. That's where our focus has got to be. We're going to be looking for those redeemed who God has called and God has given us and we have got to find them and help them to walk in the will of the Father. Now some of them are redeemed and they don't know they're redeemed. Because it's not, as I said earlier, you putting your hand up in a verse and going to church. Hand up in a verse, did I say that? (laughs) Hand up in the church and going to the front and picking up a Bible. Now look at this next section, because we have to realize that those being referred to in this parable are those who are already in the sheep flock. You got the message? They've already been redeemed, and now they've wandered off from being under the influence of the shepherd, Jesus Christ. Right? They've forgotten the voice of the shepherd. Haven't they? They've wandered off from under the influence of not only the shepherd, but also the sheep flock. Because we all have an influence on each other, don't we? That's why you and I cannot afford not to get together. It's not about you coming to church and ticking a box. We have got to encourage one another. Let me ask you a question. How much encouragement have you done this week with those who are sitting around you? I'm talking to those listening too. Not a lot. Understand? Not a lot. Not enough. I'm talking to myself here. I'm not pointing a finger at you. Because when I point a finger at you, there's three coming back at me. We don't do enough of it. We don't think it's important. Yet God does. So we should. Yeah. Now do we know any redeemed who have wandered off from the influence of the shepherd? Do we know any redeemed who are not changing their lives and their actions according to the gospel of Jesus Christ? You bet we do. So why is the church focused on those who are not redeemed by God? And trying to persuade them to give their hearts to Jesus. And trying to get them to walk to the front of the church. Yeah? And pray for the sinner's prayer. Because it's a distortion, yes. It's a distortion from the focus of where we need to be focused. So do you see there's so much distraction going on? It's a tactic of Satan to get us distracted. To ensure there's little or no focus given to those who have been called. Who have been redeemed and need to be brought under the influence of the kingdom gospel message of Jesus Christ. He hates that. Satan hates it with a passion. Satan never wants the church to see this. He's so happy about the church running after the outsiders. 
Now, as I said earlier, do we know if an outsider is actually a redeemed insider? Again, it's not a scriptural term. But how do we know? We don't know that, do we? So we've got to reach out to them. Yeah? We've got to reach out. Now, do you remember the parable? The parable of the soils. The parable shows us exactly what has to happen. It shows us the seed, which is defined in that parable as the word of the kingdom. Interesting. Yeah, the seed is the word of the kingdom being sown, and the way we can tell it lands on the good fertile soil is by what? It's fruit. It's the soil's response to the seed. It's the soil's response to the word of the kingdom that tells us whether an individual or indicates to us whether an individual is redeemed and they have eyes to see and ears to hear. Because you can throw all the seed of the kingdom on rocks for the rest of your life until you're blue in the face. The response of the soil will be the same. Why? Because it's rocks. (laughs) Yeah. Just by you throwing the seed onto rocks doesn't change the rock. Do you get that? Now I can immediately tell you you've got verses in your head like I so often do. Oh yeah, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of truth. You've got to bombard that rock with enough verses that it changes into good soil. Show me a verse for that. Show me a verse for it. Because when we get into understanding what that's referring to in Romans 10:17 about faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of truth, you've got to read it in context. Not because you throw a verse at somebody that they actually now can believe. You'll see that when you read the context. Romans 10. Remember I referred earlier to Romans 10, 9 and 10. It's not far away, is it? It's only next door. Verse 17. Because it's the same context. And we'll see it as we get through this, hopefully. So we've got to get out and we've got to start focusing on seeking and finding those who God has already redeemed. Yeah? And helping them come under the influence of the kingdom gospel of Jesus Christ and his only central message. Now, can we tell them apart from the outsiders? We so often can't. We so often can't. But many of them are in the churches. Yeah? Many of them are in the churches, for sure. And by the way, when they're in the churches, guess who else is there? The weeds. Don't forget that. Yeah? That's where the weeds are. They're growing up alongside us in the church, remember? So just because somebody's got a Bible, just because they go to church, don't get too comfortable. Now, do you think these scribes and the Pharisees Jesus was dealing with went to church? (laughs) You bet they did. They knew more scripture than most of the people around them. They committed their life to it, guys. Their whole of traditions and everything else surrounded the Torah. They just, that was their life. They walked down the street Right in the middle of the traffic, they would stop at the middle of the road and they would pray and all the traffic's backed up. Imagine doing that in Vancouver. You don't need to, it's already backed up. But do you know what this gospel message of Jesus Christ demands? A changed life. Do you know why there's so few? Exactly that. They don't want to change. They don't want to change their life. Because do you see anywhere in scripture that when we come under the influence of the shepherd, it's life as usual? (laughs) Have you seen a verse for that? Oh, just carry on. Oh, yeah, turn up an hour on a Sunday and just keep going. Do you know there's people striving more in their work than for the Lord? And if that was the case, guess what? That young rich ruler would have stayed rich, wouldn't he? He would have stayed rich. And he would have held his hand up and said to Jesus, Yep, 
I want to be in your gang. That sounds a cool idea. But because of the stipulations that Jesus Christ put on him, yeah, which was a changed life, you've got to get rid of your riches, you've got to give it off to the poor, because it's, it's got such a control of your life, and you've got to walk with me in faith in the present tense. He said, oh, you kidding me? They were choking with the camel dust when that guy got out of there. Jesus said, what happened there? You know, it's like that. These cartoons you see where, you know, Superman does a circle and the wind goes, Wah! he was out of there. Why? Because Jesus asked him to change his life. People don't want that. That's why it'll be few. So let's finish off in John 10, yeah? And in the context of what Jesus was talking about when he talked about the loss. John 10, 7, yeah? John 10, 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Now, we're going to deal with that later because we immediately have, again, another interpretation. What have I been taught saved means? You know, we dump it on there. But if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, this is really interesting here now. Listen, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, because they used to do that in the East, who does not, what? Own the sheep. They're not his. Sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand. He cares nothing for the sheep. Now, when you go into Ezekiel and you see some of the depictions of the religious priests of Israel, this is referring so often to them. They didn't care for the sheep. We may get into that in the weeks to come. But anyway, okay, where are we? 13. He flees because he is a hard hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Who's he laid down his life for? The world? Is it the world? Does it say the world there? No. It's for the sheep. Those who God has given him. We're going to see that over the weeks to come. He did not lay down his life for the world. According to him. Just read it. He laid it down for the sheep. That he was given. We read it earlier. It's a tough one, isn't it? Put that in your pipe smoking. Because again, we've got the superposed religious thinking that God loves the world. And we go to John 3.16 and we pull that verse right out of context and we say, oh yeah, there it is. He loves the world. And yet, that's the only verse in the Bible that says he loves the world. That should give us a clue. And we'll get it. And we'll get a full understanding of that as we get through this. But do you see who he's laying down his life for? The sheep. The sheep. The sheep. Yeah. The redeemed. Those who God has called. Those who God has given him. Yeah. And we'll see that in the series as we move on. Yeah. Verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. Do you see how he depicts them? They're ones who will listen to his voice. So there will be how many? One flock. How many? One flock. God is into the number one. One saviour, one God, one gospel, one message, one flock. And one shepherd. 
And let's quickly read verse 17. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he's a demon. He's possessed. And is insane. Why listen to him? I'm quite sure there's some people listening to this say the same. Yeah. Others said, these are not the words of the one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So today we've seen, in summary, that the lost are those who are owned by the shepherd. They're those who God has called and who are lost. Yeah? And we'll see also them referred to as the perishing as we move into the series. But what we have to understand is they're to be brought back under the influence of the shepherd, Jesus Christ. The gospel is addressed to the redeemed. And as the redeemed, we are to respond to it. It's not addressed to the outsiders. Yeah? So the gospel's whole aim is to bring the redeemed back under the influence of the kingdom message of Jesus Christ. And we'll be seeing that as, uh, how critical that is in, as we go through this series. And we'll also be seeing why Satan thinks it's so critically important that the sons of the kingdom never come under the gospel message, kingdom message of Jesus Christ. He wants to snatch. Remember we saw that in John 10. He wants to snatch. He wants to scatter those who God has called. And he wants them to remain blind to this critical nature of walking in the will of the Father. He wants us to be blind to it. And listen up. Most are. Talk to them. Talk to them. Because he, Satan, wants us to lose our inheritance in that coming kingdom. He really does. So let's finish off with a word of prayer here. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for the greatness of your truth. We thank you, Father, for the great privilege to have our eyes opened and our ears, Father, to the greatness of the gospel message of the kingdom of Jesus Christ to come onto earth. And we thank you for every person here. We thank you for those listening, that we can continue to walk in the will of the Father, that we can continue, Father, to reach out and find and seek those who are redeemed and who are perishing and who are lost. And, Father, that we can proclaim that gospel message of Jesus Christ loud and clear and watch for the response, Father, and help and encourage one another every day of our lives to continue in this walk. And we are so thankful and so privileged to know and understand you. And we love you, Father, and we look forward to the day when he returns. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.